My Wii office? I still haven't made it to the Wii office. And we need to go to that it's Korean place for lunch. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Today. Yep. Very, very lunchtime Korean food. Yep. It's what I missed. I have, it is I exactly have, what I missed. I have no idea what that's like. Like, I have no real, like... Yeah, it's pretty specific. So, I'm, mm-hmm. like, very interested to go with you. Yeah. Who really you, knows what's what. You ever had, a, uh, had gimbap? No. It's good. <laughs> it's, it throws people for a loop sometimes because it looks like sushi, but it's not. Okay. It, you know, it has, it's, it is rice wrapped in seaweed, but the interior is completely different than hmm. sushi. It's never raw fish. Yeah. It's mainly like kind of pickled vegetables and maybe egg. All right. Or maybe canned tuna and mayonnaise. Okay. Stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's different. Um, I love uh, it though. It's, it's more of a lunch snack than, you know, a meal out. Yeah. 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 You can buy them at the corner store in yeah, like yeah. a pre, pre-packed plastic packed like wrapper for uh-huh. like a dollar, dollar 95. <laughs> Just kind of eat them on the subway. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's basically like you squeeze it out of the bottom of this tube. <laughs> that's that's not sounding it's appetizing not, to It's me. not very sushi at all. It's no. very not sushi. It's like a fast, quick snack. So, with that, Here. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery, this Kimbop is, lover. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Welcome to it. Back again. Here we are. Here we are. My mic is like a bit too high. I can't see you. There we go. You wonder why we don't ever do these, like, not in person. It's like, yeah. we can't even <laughs> handle not seeing each other. <laughs> I have to look into Matt's eyes. <laughs> so, how's things been going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty interesting. Um, you kind of put out a game with a massive soundtrack. Yes. I think the longest soundtrack of any indie game ever. Yeah. Cause Definitely. quantity over quality, Matt. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> In the indie game, game, uh, just the numbers, those big numbers. Yeah, throwing out those big numbers. Uh, it's going well. It's my best-selling soundtrack ever, as far as I can tell awesome. right now. I haven't balanced it against the Rogue Legacy numbers yet because yeah. that's actually on a different Bandcamp uh, page. But right. uh, it's doing really well. Awesome. My stats are. That's good. Wander Song. In that case, is Wander Song. I don't think we actually mentioned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're really happy with the release. It's hitting people exactly how we wanted to it to hit them. Sweet. It's not a smash success, but it's doing fine. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to retire off of it or anything, mm-hmm. but it will, you know, keep us going another year. Cool. Probably. Good. That's really good to hear. And uh, the critical reception is great. Nice. None of the people that we don't want to play it are playing it. Yeah. So that's good. That's an interesting thing that I feel like nobody really covers yep. or talks discusses. Yeah, yeah. From a sort of, not audio-centric, but... Game-centric. Game-centric. Yeah. Sales pitch whatever perspective is everybody's always talking about getting your game into the hands of the people that want to play your game finding yeah. your audience yeah yeah but w- what Wander song i felt did a really good job of is avoiding the audience it doesn't want right so we're not getting people coming in and just being like what's this indie garbage yeah yeah, yeah. um and instantly hating it because they're never going to like a because game like it's this. because it subverted their expectations in the wrong way yeah you know subvert subverting expectations is great mm-hmm. a lot of the time if it you know kind of flips a lesson on you or yeah or it's surprising and delightful mm-hmm. but i think sometimes people go in expecting some something and then getting something they actually hate yeah but everybody looks at Wandersong and has an idea of what they're going to get, and then they get that, and they get more. Cool. Like, they get a lot more than they... Th- and the people that generally wanted the first thing are really going to like the more, more, in quotes, that yeah. they get from it. 
So that's been really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad it's out, and I'm glad people like it. Nice. Been good. Watched a couple streamers cry at the end. Oh, geez. Uh, when they finish it. That's yeah. pretty pretty powerful stuff. Is it out on Mac yet? Yeah, it's out on Mac. It's just a bit buggier. Yeah, yeah. I was going to put it on my laptop for going on vacation. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was collecting up some games to, mm-hmm. like, what can I put on my laptop? And, like, right. aren't, like, you know, oh, I can play with a trackpad and everything. So it was like, all right. You're a, you're a fellow not owner of a Switch yet as well? No, I am not a Switcher. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I, I, I really want one. I just keep not buying one. Yeah, it's it's at that, like, just past, like that price point that I'm that I'm just be like oh yeah I'll just buy that like it's right. it's just past the impulse buy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me so it gets to the point of like oh I could do I could do something real with that money yeah. <laughs> do I need another console or should I do something like mm-hmm. adult <laughs> I yeah I I feel like I haven't bought myself one cuz when I get if I get one for myself I kind of want to get one for the whole team yeah except that Rachel already has one so yes <laughs> this is what's holding me back is I have to think of something to get Rachel right while you get one for everybody else on the While team. While I get everyone else a Switch, because Rachel yeah. already has a Switch. Yeah. Big bad, big bad problems. Everybody gets a Switch, you get a gift card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like whiskey? <laughs> Getting over a cold here, so yeah. forgive my phlegm. Would that be perhaps a con-related cold? This because is a conference-related cold. You went to Paris? Went to Paris. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, to represent... Wander song. It got into IndieCade Europe. Cool. Um, and I really liked it. Yeah. I recommend a European conference over a North American one if uh, you can save up for it. So you've it's been not that much more expensive, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Canadian flying prices are stupid. So they're bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the yeah, the flight from for me to Paris versus. Uh, San Francisco is about double, maybe yeah. a little more than double, but the accommodation was cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, the food was more expensive. Yep. Because the euro, man, <laughs> it's it's strong. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like it's stronger than the American dollar. So I think it, you basically are paying sixty percent on top of every dollar if you're Canadian. Right. So I didn't eat much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the indie life, man. <laughs> Paris, jeez, it was. Have you ever had a Parisian breakfast? No. So I was walking around forever trying to find a breakfast under 10 euro. I finally found a place that had a Parisian breakfast for 9 euro. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's do this. It sounds delicious. And I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm just saying it was, you know, not substantial. <laughs> it's like um, I've seen uh, multiple times when I've been in Iceland there's, you know, we'll see a sign of like breakfast deal. It's a coffee and a muffin. And it's like, however many isk. And I'm just like translating in my head. I'm like, that's like $12. That's, yeah. That's not a deal. Yeah. So yeah, it was not, it was nine euro and it was a baguette yep. and a croissant. It was just bread and bread, <laughs> spread and more bread. And then you could, there was, it came with spreads yep. as well. And a little espresso. Mm-hmm. But well, that's, that's all that's the, a, the important That's a $14 things. meal. That's the important things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but <laughs> Bread and coffee. I didn't feel worth $14. <laughs> it really didn't. But yeah, I had a great time. Uh, the best part was that I got to meet a bunch of developers that, you know, never come here. Yeah. They only go to the European conferences. So yeah. I met an entirely new group of people. Awesome. Um, who are all fantastic and mm-hmm. working on really cool games. Yeah. 
and that was a lot of fun. Sweet. And Paris is just an amazing city. Yeah. Like, there's a building cooler than Vancouver's coolest building around every single corner. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. So, I was not there long. Yeah. Flew in, arrived at 8 a.m. or 10 a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. Took a quick nap, went and set up, indicated for two days, some late nights, some long walks home, because I don't know how the cabs work there. They're, yeah. <laughs> they are either not a lot of them, and I couldn't hail them. Right. And then one day walking around on Sunday, and then flew home on Monday. Yeah, those are crazy. I When I went and, uh, I went and talked in the Netherlands, and it was the same thing. I, like, I came in, then I had the, the conference... And then I had like one day and then I was home. It's crazy to do those super long flights and trips and you're just like, I'm barely here. Yeah. I did get a lot done on my one day. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the one thing I did. I did the same. Like, I I, when I went to, um, for the PS4 launch with Sony to New York, I had one day. Mm -hmm. I actually red eyed and I had one day after landing at like whatever six in the morning or something like that and it was just like nope can't go to bed (laughs) gotta see the city this is my first time here and just yeah like slammed in as many things as I could see in one day yeah so the Notre Dame uh, Eiffel Tower Pantheon walked past the Louvre yep by accident (laughs) on the way home uh, at the end of the night and then yeah a cool bar downtown that's kind of a cave yeah it was really cool I'd never been to Europe before. Yeah. So it's neat seeing old cultures like that mm-hmm. because the difference is so huge. Yeah. Our <laughs> old stuff is not old. It's not old. No. There's just nothing old. Yeah. And especially like Vancouver had, when was the fire? Like turn of the century? Yeah. The, like the whole city burned down? Yeah. So there's just like, there's nothing like something that's a hundred year old, hundred years old is really rare. Yeah, it's like a character. Like there's like one or two of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's like everything there. So, yeah, had a great Uh, time. So we're just turning into a historical buildings podcast. Yeah, let's get to the audio, shall we? (laughs) Jeez. Now that Wandersong is done, I'm finally doing a bit of sound effects work again. Oh, yeah. So So I was kind of out of it for a while. How long do you think it was since you last did sound design? I've been doing... The smarter everyday sound design pretty regularly. Yep. Um, but I haven't been doing game assets in like forever. Yeah. So, and I'm still not quite yet. I'm going to start a new project that I think I'll probably do all the SFX assets on mm-hmm. uh, next week. And I'm doing a trailer for Parkitect mm-hmm. that I'm just going to do everything on, I think. So, yeah, it's fun, but I'm also like, wow, I'm rusty. So our trailer editor had delivered an OMF yesterday, and I was like, ah, I can't open this in uh, in Reaper yeah. without the Vordio stuff. And uh, then I was trying to think of, like, what DAWs actually accept OMFs, because my initial reaction was like, oh, well, it's just Pro Tools, and that's totally not true. Yeah. Uh, Cubase does, mm-hmm. Logic does, and then I blanked, and I was like, that other big one, and I was like, man... I'm just mentally rusty. I couldn't yeah. think of Nuendo. Yeah. Nuendo was like gone. I had yeah. to, I, I was like, Steinberg, I know Somebody, that much. Something from them. I know it's Steinberg, but I, I blanked on what Nuendo was, and that made me feel like a <laughs> ivory tower asshole of some sort. <laughs> You're a true Reaper user now. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there is no, there is no other DAW. What do you think is the, um like, 
most surprising thing about being rusty, like coming back to game sound design after a break? I mean, I feel like pretty set in my ways still. I definitely didn't feel super slow. No, that's good. The thing that slows you down most is decision-making. Yeah. And that I still have. Yeah. And I know, I still remember all my library stuff. Mm -hmm. However, I don't quite remember, like, what is still in my library because sort of my old, my memory from school when I had that access to that library is still kind of lingering. Yeah. So I was looking for crowd reaction sounds last night, and I was like, I don't have any. So I had to go buy a crowd reaction sound library. Yeah. Um, because they just weren't there. So <laughs> Yeah, what I can't remember what I was doing the same thing. I was searching for something and I'm like, wow, I don't have that. How I don't do I not have that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's funny the holes you find mm-hmm. in your library. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah, I, I guess I just never have never had to do this type of thing before that required this, even though I really thought I had. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, nothing surprising. It yep. felt super surprising. It felt pretty... Uh, so, like, riding a bike? Yeah. Back yep. into it. Um, I definitely have forgotten a lot of my macros. Yeah, yeah, Though I don't think I ever really had them super down in Reaper ever anyway. Um, I'm the worst all... for shortcuts. There's one that I've been using lately a ton. Mm-hmm. Totally forgot it because I didn't use it for a couple of days. And I was like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what to try to, like, search for. I did just go to one of the other guys on the team and go, what's that shortcut for doing that thing where you do this? And he's like, what? And he came over. He too, he couldn't remember. He had to do it. Right. He's like, it's this. Ah, right. <laughs> That's the one I didn't try because I was just like, set it up. Okay, when I press the combination and click, it's like, I know it's two buttons and a click. And I was just trying right. a whole bunch of them being like, nope, nope, nope. No, and I was like, oh, it's the one thing I didn't try. Definitely one of the better things about Pro Tools is that you can go and ask someone. Yeah. Reaper, it's just, what would you set it up as? Right. I don't don't know. Right. You can go ask another Reaper user, and they'll be like, well, I bound it to these keys. Yeah. I don't know what you did. (laughs) You can look up the functionality. Yeah. If you remember what it is. Yeah. Which would not solve your problem here. (laughs) No, that was the thing. I was like, I don't even know what to call this. Yeah. Like there's a shortcut for if you if you've got a region and you want to line a region up with that region. Oh, control click. Right, but then there's the reverse of that. Oh, where it's you can not control click. I can't remember. I I I, I already like I do. It's, yeah, it's just muscle memory now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's you can do the same for the the back end. Mm-hmm. So when I'm making loops of stuff, handy. It's super handy. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that for years. I don't know if I ever knew that on Pro Tools. Yeah, and I finally found that out. I was like, oh, my God, so much time saved. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I was all, like, super happy when sometimes I'd just, like, lock it in mm-hmm. and then, like, zoom in and be like, oh, I nailed it. Like, yeah. I just managed to get that. Mm-hmm. And be, like, super satisfied with myself. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's a shortcut to do that. Right, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, that's up. What is up with me? Yep. What's, what's going on on your side of things? Um, I, I went and did, well, I did two talks. Well, I did a talk and a panel down at GameSoundCon. Oh, sweet. Right. Down in LA. So, um, that was super fun. I really like, I I like GameSoundCon. It's It's like. warm down you? Yeah. And this is, this is not even really directed at GameSoundCon. This is just like conferences. Mm -hmm. I, I find as, as I, uh, get on an experience, I just go to less and less talks. Yeah, same. 
And, you know, like... I went to zero f- last GDC. Yeah, the first time I went to GDC, I went to, like, every single talk I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, well, if I'm just not interested in talks, I'm just not going to... I'm gonna, only going to go to the ones I'm interested in. Like, yeah. I don't get anything from going to these ones that I don't care about, like mm-hmm. forcing myself to see a talk. So, so this time around, I went to a very few amount of talks. I did a talk and a panel, which mm-hmm. were very good. I did a talk about remastering Mark of the Ninja and all the hard work the rest of the team put into the game when I had to step away from it and, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff we learned from that, which was cool. Um, and I did a panel uh, with a bunch of great people about composers who want to be sound designers. Right. What do you need to know? What do you need to, like... What are the the tricks and what do you need to do to get into that? Mm-hmm. Um, that went really well. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then I went to just I went to very few talks. I just hung around talking with people, and that was great. One of the things I like about Game Sound Con is it's quite small. It's really easy to meet a lot of people. You know that they're all there focused for game audio. Yeah, you know, and it's just really cool to hang out with everybody mm-hmm. and and chat with them and stuff. So I got to, you know got to see a bunch of people like. I see at conferences and I got to meet a bunch of new people and chat with people about stuff. Turned several people onto wrestling. So <laughs> that was cool. Went to a wrestling show. Oh, really? Yeah. In LA. Oh, cool. Stumbled upon a wrestling show was filming the night we were there and they had been practicing in the basement of the hotel we were no at. No way. So somebody ran into them and got free tickets and we were able nice. to like go okay. to this wrestling show. So Sweet. It was a bunch of game audio wrestling fans. It was fun. Cool. We didn't really have a topic today. I would kind of like to hear, and I think people would appreciate to hear, a bit of a paraphrase on your talk on how to how to transition from composition to sound design. Oh, sure. Sure. Put me on the spot. And what are the... So I'm assuming that involves, like, common mistakes that composers um, make when they're throwing themselves in without doing enough research, maybe? Sure. I don't know if I can answer that one. <laughs> well, answer the whatever you can, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking about what I can pull out. Because I was on a panel, too. It wasn't just oh, me. Oh, it was a panel. Okay. Yeah, so thankfully it wasn't just me. I just got to answer questions and right. try to shut myself up and let other people talk. Because mm-hmm. I'm not good at that. <laughs> I, think, I think the thing to remember when you're, when, you're, when you're a composer is if you want to do sound design, there is a lot of skills you already have that are directly applicable to mm-hmm. like, while I like, I make the argument a lot of times that like sound design is sound design and composing is composing and they are different and they're different skill sets and you need to like practice each of them sort of separately. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of crossover stuff. Like yeah. when, when you building a sound is taking a, a bunch of sounds that are different layers, mixing them together to, to work as a cohesive whole. Yeah. The same way you would orchestrate an orchestra or a band or like, you know, you can think of it in the same way. There's your bass and your guitar and your drums and your keyboards that are your pads. And, you know, like, how do you, how would you mix a song of those things? Mm-hmm. And why would you, you know, well, the bass is your root. So, you know, you make sure that there's no bass junk in your guitar. Yeah. And stuff. It's the same thing when you approach those layers as a sound designer. It's like, this is my bass layer. Here's my twinkly, sparkly layer. Well, I want to make sure there's no, you know, low end stuff in that. So it's like those same ideas of how to mix a song and how to orchestrate something. Like when you, when you're thinking about writing for an orchestra, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're thinking about how you're going to write the parts so that all these instruments fit together into a whole it's the same thing when you layer up a sound. You you specifically choose 
layers to work as certain parts. You can think of them as your orchestra. So a lot of those skills you've got, you've got the same sort of root skills to start with. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot more mixing skills than yep. necessarily composition skills that need to go into it, which I feel still a lot of composers still kind of lack because they're focusing more on the actual composition. Sure. But if you think of it in how, if you think you want of all it these is, parts to exist. Yeah, yeah. If you think of it in that your mix is being done at the writing stage, mm -hmm. then it's like, it's not like mixer mixer necessarily. Like maybe you're yeah. not the best mixer, but hopefully you've composed a song that helps mix itself. Yes. You know, and, and that's sort of those ideas. You can approach the same, the way you would make a composition with, you know, what, what instruments play what parts. You can do the same in your layers of your sound design. And the other, one of the other big things is you already have all the tools you need. There is only a few things that you will need other than your composition rig mm -hmm. to do sound design. What you will be missing is sample libraries and potentially some sort of portable recorder. Lots of the tools that we use strictly for sound design is not because it gives us something that you as a composer don't have. It's something that speeds up how we work, right? Like a lot of my plugins and tools are like workflow increases, not because they're actually necessary. sound better or necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Like I prefer one EQ over another because I like the information it gives to me and it speeds up my workflow. I could totally use the stock Pro Tools EQ if needed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing that I couldn't get sound wise out of that EQ versus the fancy expensive one I choose to use. Yeah. So even if you just got all your stock stuff and your, you know, your instruments, you can do sound design with all of that. You don't need to buy a whole bunch of extra plugins or, so you're probably missing sample libraries. There is thankfully a lot of free sample libraries out there that you can get to get started with that are, that are like just samplings of larger libraries you know, get on mailing lists and they'll send you stuff and there's cheap stuff. So you can start working with whatever you can get your hands on. If you don't have some sort of portable recorder, which you might already for recording your jams or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or even just a microphone. You don't even need a portable recorder, really. Yeah. You just need a microphone and a kitchen. Yeah. And then you can start... Stuff in it. Your house is full <laughs> of stuff that... And this is the great thing about sound design, I feel, and, and getting started in it is... If, if you realize that almost everything you hear is not what it started out as. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not like, oh, I need to make this machine that ticks and whirs. Well, I need a machine that ticks and whirs to record it, and then I'll get the sound. You're like, no, no, no nothing you ever hear is like that. So yeah. just find anything in your house that ticks. You got a rack, ratchet wrench? You know, oh, there, that ticks. You got a bicycle. The cassette ticks. Yeah. Okay, record that. Grab your microphone, your portable recorder, your phone. If you don't have, if you can't invest anything, record stuff with your phone. You probably, you've got a phone. Yeah. So use that. Anything. You record with anything. And now, okay, now you've got a ticking sound. And then you, you know, you start layering that. So it's, it's nothing is what it was. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about needing all this stuff. Your house is full of things that make sounds. Yeah. So you just start recording them. Yeah. Stick them together. Yeah. Make it work out. Uh, one of the other things that I think is a neat crossover that's a little more abstract is that mm -hmm. a lot of sound effects recording and sort of, uh, sort of for lack of I'm misusing the term, but even when it's used properly, yeah. fully work, yeah. is a lot like playing an instrument. Yep. 
It's just, oh, totally. it's, it's yeah, like yeah. playing an instrument that you didn't, you know, you don't really know how to play. It, it's kind of, you're picking a thing up and you, but you're playing it. Yeah. Like, it's, anything in this room, you could, you could be playing a cinder block. You could be playing, mm-hmm. and if you think of it as playing and performing, you're going to get cooler stuff out of it. Embrace the concept that music concrete is music. Right. And that that's, that's all of it. Like, yeah, you can make music out of anything and you can play anything. And a lot of times when, when we're looking for sound effects and recordings of sound effects, it's, it's that playing of it. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, it's that messing with it and finding what tones and timbres and interesting little things you can get out of two objects yeah. that you're rubbing together or smacking or, you know, like, okay, I'm going to take these two things. I'm going to rub them together. I'm going to scrape them against each other. I'm going to drop one on the other. I'm going to drop the other one on the other one. I'm going to tap them lightly. I'm going to hit them hard. Mm-hmm. Just like, how are all the different ways I can get these two things to interact with each other? And then what are all of the sounds that result in that? Like you've, you've mentioned before, recording something really soft and then gaining it way up. Mm-hmm gives you a totally different sound than hitting something hard against another thing. Yeah, with no gain. Yeah. And then just turning it up in post anyways. Yeah. The few times that I have done linear, like actual Foley, because mm-hmm. I'm a musician, I it, I was, it very much was like, this is like learning a bar of a song. Yeah, right. You know, I'm trying to get through this scene. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you're like footstep, 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 scuff, right. turn, hand on glass yeah. or whatever. Okay. And so Go you're, you're the learning top. these, and you're okay, screwed it up, let's do it again. It's like a song with no time signature. Yeah. And no tempo. It's free jazz. Yeah, it's free jazz. Except you have to be able to repeat it. Yeah, so go back to the top. Okay, footstep, footstep, footstep. Yeah. Scuff, hand on glass. Yeah. Crap. Except you okay. never record oh, the hand and the feet at the same time. I was but. late. Okay, yeah. roll back to the top. Yeah, exactly. Footstep, footstep, footstep. Pause. <laughs> Close enough, edit it. (laughs) (laughs) Fix it in post. That's one of the nice things. Like, nothing we do in games is to picture. So it's just, Mm -hmm. okay, I need a bunch of footsteps, a scuff, and hand on glass. Okay, So it's more like... A whole bunch of footsteps, a bunch of different footsteps. Okay, a bunch of different scuffs. Mm -hmm. Okay, a bunch of hands on glass. It's less like performing a song and more like performing the perfect drum hit. Mm -hmm. Or... All the perfect drum hits or the singular great sounding little nuggets of gold. One tip, if you're recording sounds to make sounds for video games, a huge part of, I'm sure we hammer on this all the time, is variety. Like so much of game stuff is variety. So don't ever get the one perfect hand on glass. You need like 10 perfect hands on glass. So always record lots of whatever it is you're doing. When you find a cool thing, Try to replicate it a whole bunch of times so that mm-hmm. you can get a bunch of different varieties of that same cool sound. But even then, I make stuff that has, you know, six different layers, and one of those layers will be the same thing repeated through all the variations, the exact same sound sometimes. Right. You know, I'm like, this is cool. I only have one of these. I want that as a tonal bit to the sound I'm creating. All right, I'll just copy that for as many variations as I need. The other layers will change we'll change up. So, yeah, yeah, I've done the same. You know, so... So don't worry if you've only got the one perfect thing. Mm-hmm. You can still get it to get variety out of it. There are plugins that you can use to try to make it into variety as mm-hmm. well, depending on the sound yep. itself. One, one thing I like doing in Reaper is using the pitch automation, like, very finely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and doing, like, minor stretches and stuff. Yeah. Just enough, like, not so much that it starts to alias or anything. Mm-hmm. But just doing taking, you can take the pencil and do like these very minimal little pitch variations cool. with the pencil tool. That's a good way of getting more than one sound out of one sound. That's a 
another notable thing I think to say. The majority of processing that I do in mm-hmm. sound design is EQ and pitching. Reversing. Reversing you EQ know, and pitching are my uh, three, my, my, my big three. I would say EQ, pitching, and distortion. Okay. Those are my big, those are my top three. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but like all of that is in, will be in whatever DAW you've got. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, there's lots of fancy stuff past that and cool stuff. And, but you can get a lot done with just the real simple basics. I think Jonas Turner, we said something along these lines during yep. audio tips on Twitter. And Jonas said he uses 100% stock Pro Tools plugins. Yeah. He's he a makes great wild, wildly stuff. successful sound designer. Yeah. He's freelance. making great sounding stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, don't get hung up on the tools. Ever. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. I'm trying to remember if there was any other big points. I don't think there's big ones. It's mm-hmm. just like jump in and do it. Like, do it. And, uh, but yeah, respect it, I think, is yep. something that we ask people do right. as well. Realize while it is related and you can do it, it will possibly be harder than you think. Yeah. And be ready for like a period of, I'm an awesome composer. Why is this all sounding like garbage? It's a lot of work. Yeah. As well. It's not something that, you know, you get a game and you and you do spend 70% of your time on composition and then just do the sound design at the yeah. end. Most of our games get more hours for sound design, for sound design than, than yeah. music. Wandersong being an exception. Mm-hmm. But... I'm like Parkitect absolutely has yep. gotten way more sound design attention and yep. technical audio attention than than music mm-hmm. by far. We still at Clay we have mo- we have more sound designers than we do composers. Yeah, you know, and that's that's. Now they're drilling in your floor here too. I... <laughs> this is happening in my house. Uh... It sounds like it's in my head. <laughs> This is oh, the same thing is happening in my house right now. Oh, geez. So I'm just surrounded by it. <laughs> you can't escape it. So it's your fault. You brought them with. Yeah, we've got more sound designers than composers. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the workload. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, if you're getting into it, expect it, you better want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you might be doing a lot. <laughs> it, yeah. It very easily will take up more of your time than the, the composition. Yeah. So, yeah. Good, good tips. Uh, and I'm not want? even sure like what if what to talk about with it, but it's on my mind. Yeah, I was sick last week, so I was really not paying much attention to our emails, and we had sort of a an ongoing like I was I was laid out. I was not feeling it yeah. at all, you know. Yeah, and I was not. I did not. I didn't. I didn't see the urgency in the email, mm-hmm. and M did, and asked me like to respond to this, and I was like, I'll do it on Monday when yeah. I. Hopefully, feeling better, and it was for a project that we're basically pitching for mm-hmm. that I overcom- overconfidently thought we had in the bag, and then I think part, at least partially, due to my delay, they actually oh. went with someone else, and I felt really bad about it because it yeah. was a game that M really, really, really wanted to work on. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about and excited that they came to us specifically to work with her. Yeah, I think, and then uh, we might have lost it because I got sick for a week, and I don't know. I feel bad about that. Yeah, but I also think it's an opportunity to not necessarily say like how do we prevent this in the future because obviously if they're that quick to make a decision, yeah, um, they were probably also talking to someone else that they really liked as well. It feels like parts of that are in your control and parts of it are fully not. Yeah, and even if you had been on top of it and been on time and everything, that doesn't mean 
all of that stuff out of your control and find out still happened. Exactly. You know, so yeah, there's, there's a lot that is out of our control when we pitch jobs and everything. Yeah. And I mean, I've lost, you know, we've lost gigs before. Yeah. A bunch of times. This one hurt a little more because I definitely felt like it was more our fault Mm -hmm. and it wasn't because we were too expensive or just not the right fit. Yeah. Um, Like we, we lost another one last month and that was basically after the, it was supposed to be a technical audio gig. Yeah. And after we'd done a bunch of work to show them what we would be able to do, they were like, yeah, I get, I, actually, we think we could do it ourselves. Aww. Like, after they thought about it a little harder yeah. as well. So so that wasn't even really, like, losing it. It was yeah. just the gig disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so present. It's crazy. It's crazy how drilling in cement resonates through, yeah. like, everything. Yeah, it just sounds right there. Yeah. In your head. Yeah. Next time it goes, we'll leave it, and then people can just take it off the podcast, and you can use our, it. You our, can use it royalty-free. Our free sample to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't have a sponsor this month. We got to... Nope. We're not a real podcast this uh, month. We are going back to unofficial status. I went to a podcast recording. That's not game audio stuff, but I went to okay. a podcast recording of one of, one of the big true crime podcasts. Oh, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's something that Tanya listens to. And I was like, oh, I want to come. Sure. Um, it, you know, sold out a very large venue in town. Yeah. So lots of very into it fans. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting being at something that I knew very little about, mm-hmm. but had a incredibly passionate fan base. And it's really interesting being in a situation of being like, okay, I'm into this. I'm, I'm ready to experience this. You people are so into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool when you're so into something and you, you can kind of like get that swell into you and be like, yeah, okay, <laughs> this is cool. Like, I don't know what's going on, but this is cool. It's like packs. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like when I go to, go to Iceland, which right. I'm about to go to Iceland again. Mm-hmm. For the music festival, I've seen bands where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm into this band. But then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into the band that's after them. So I'll, you know, check these guys out and wait for the next one. And then the right. crowd is like incredibly into you. are like, okay, this is, this is really cool. This is really cool being in this crowd of a thousand people really into this thing. Yeah. You know, I've seen like Norwegian pop singers and I'm like, not my deal at all, but right. like, okay, cool. The energy is contagious. I fully enjoyed this because yeah. I think I remember a teacher in high school telling telling us about seeing the Beatles when they were still new. And they were consciously, they're like, people are going crazy. They're all screaming and running towards the stage. And then I realized that I was screaming and running (laughs) towards the stage too. Yeah. I completely had an out-of-body moment thinking everybody's acting like a lunatic. Yeah. I think it's it's really nice. Um, I feel old. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, I'm older than a lot of the people I hang around with industry-wise and everything. But I'm glad that I can still, like, appreciate that energy from people who are just into something that I'm not old and crudgemally enough to, like, be like, oh, all your stuff sucks, you kids. Did you just make up the word crudgemally? Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. It's perfect. <laughs> um, that I can still appreciate, like, when people are really into something and be yeah. like, okay. They're, you're into this. This is cool because yeah. you're into it. For me, I can really see when when it's cool. It's like 
when you're a crowd of other people who are like, yeah, and you, you can know, talk like, about it, thinking that this is a really cool thing. You're like, okay, yeah, yeah okay, I could see where you're coming from on this. Yeah, that's, that's dope. So I don't know. Be open to things, people. Mm-hmm. Don't yuck people's yum. Sure, that. All right, back to off topic. Uh, losing. Oh yeah, losing the gig. <laughs> I really don't have anywhere to. Too much. I think, okay, so you're going to lose gigs. Yeah. I think it's very important to just be like, oh, well, and keep on going. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's really easy to get crushed. It's really easy to start blaming yourself. I think I have some legitimacy to blame myself in mm-hmm. this case, but I feel worse about it because I lost it for M. Yeah. Uh, potentially, and not because I lost it for me or for the company necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I, I should be blaming myself a bit, at least. Yeah. But I'm not going to beat myself into the ground for it. Yeah. I've got other, other things to do. There are other great projects to pursue. Yeah. But I know when you're by yourself, it can be really tough, especially mm-hmm. when, you know, you don't have a lot of gigs. Yeah. Or you haven't had a lot of gigs, and there is that one light, and you're like, yes, you. You are mine. You will be mine. And then it goes away. It can be really tough. But I think it's important to push your expectations forward and not be pessimistic, mm-hmm. but really... Really drill it, Q sound. Drill right? it. Drill it into your head that you don't have the gig until you have the gig. You don't have yeah. the gig until the papers are signed. Yeah. If you have a verbal agreement, that doesn't mean shit. If you have a written agreement in email, that doesn't mean shit. And then there are even times where games start development and you've done all that and you've signed papers and you're working away and then they stop developing. Yeah. How many games get delayed or... There was this game, Anthem, in Vancouver that I knew so many people that went through that development. Yeah. And it never even got close to being a thing. Yeah. But I I bet there were a bunch of people that were new and being like, I'm going to work on this game. Mm -hmm. This game's going to come out. It's going to have my name on it. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be my entry point. It's tough not to beat yourself up about those stuff, but you got to be... I mean, you got to stay realistic, like you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's it's about being realistic, not overly optimistic or overly pessimistic. Yeah. Just like, all right, this is the reality of it, and there's going to be some bad ones, and there's going to be some good ones, and you just got to keep at it. It's a really similar kind of feeling to any other type of disappointment. Like, so, for, for instance, a launch disappointment. Yeah. Uh, if you work your ass off on a game for a long time, and this yeah. hurts a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it tanks. Yeah. It, it's the same thing. It's got to be, oh, well, on to the next one. Yeah. There's no other way to deal with it. I did my best. It didn't yep. work. I still am alive. I still have things to give and yep. to do. Um, so I'm going to keep moving forward. I can and get better. It, it's super tough, but it's that's the only way I found to deal with that. Yeah. Because we've had a lot of games that didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Despite being really, good games. really being good games and yeah. putting our absolute all into it. <laughs> Clay expanding wow. into our podcast. Um, I have another rant. Oh, ranting on Twitter today. Oh, I saw that. This was good. Um, I enjoyed this one. I'm doing VO casting for a game right now, and I don't have a solution to this necessarily. I have right. a very minor solution. My my rant is that just man, I can't stand agents. Yeah, I really don't like working with voiceover agents. I'm sure they serve a purpose. I'm sure they do protect talent from shitty hiring people. Right. Like, probably bad, nasty film people or people that are going to try to rip them off. Mm-hmm. But 
my experience has been that they just they ghost on me. They're disorganized. They take forever to reply. Yeah. Uh, they mess up their bookings. Yeah. They don't even try to negotiate with me. Right. So I'll be like, I'll pay this an hour, like three fifty an hour. So voice actor rates are usually anywhere between like two fifty and eight hundred an hour. Yeah. It could go sky high, I'm sure, if you're yeah. talking about movie stars and stuff. But you know, a solid professional voiceover artist, mm-hmm. uh, minimum two fifty an hour, absolute minimum. That mm-hmm. would be below union standard yeah. rates. Yeah. Usually around four hundred. Yep. And I'll offer that, and I've had voiceover agents or you know talent agencies. I'm sure that they do you know movie stuff and TV stuff too. And maybe they just don't care about little video games. Yeah. But I'm sure that their talent does. Yeah. Would would love that one yeah. or two hours of work. And the agents will just be like, I'll be they're like, What are you what are you paying? And I'm like four hundred an hour. And they're just well, like, nah. The the example, They don't even try to negotiate. Right. The example that you wrote up on Twitter that I saw was, you know, what's what's the rate? Well, it's it's four hundred, but we're flexible. Yeah. Okay, thanks, we're out. Yeah. No, nah. like, well, they, they, he the literally flexible said, was the opening to like negotiate to me. The two word response is just, I'll pass. Yeah. Did you even ask your talent? Yeah. If they'd be interested. So mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of agents are not going to bat for their, their talent. Mm-hmm. Um, like they pretend they are. Yeah. Uh, because we like doing voiceover work. We have, we don't do a ton of it, but mm-hmm. we have done games with thousands of lines, mm-hmm. which is thousands or tens of thousands of dollars for whoever gets to work on it. Yep. But a lot of the time it is shorter calls, but mm-hmm. that's when I get to meet these people. Yeah. That's when I get to know who I like working with. Yeah. And if I can, I will avoid a casting call at all and just go directly to the talent that I like. Right. Which is people you've worked that's already that's with. How, that's why, so, you know, Michael Dobson, I listened to his stuff from Clay. Yeah. Liked the work that he did there. Worked directly with him, not through an agent. He has an agent who's actually one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. But I just work directly with Michael. I'm not ousting him in any way here. Him and his agent have a cool relationship like this. Yeah. And I think more should. And he came in, did a trailer for Parkitect, and that was great. And then I, I think I basically just went straight to him for the American Dream. Right. I might have done a small casting call, but I kind of already knew. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's 2,000 plus lines for him only. Mm-hmm. Because he came out to do the, a small call for me. Yeah. So every time one of these agents just blows me off because yeah. they don't want to book book me for one or two hours. They're like four-hour minimums mm-hmm. um, because that's what's worth their time, not their voiceover talent's time, yeah. but their time. It screws over the talent, and yeah. I, I think it's sad. I've also had agents fail to invoice me, like forever. <laughs> I just pay I just pay the actor myself directly Yeah, because the agents have obviously forgotten. <laughs> yeah, they just, I don't know, a lot of them suck Yeah, and are not, not batting for their talent like they say they are. I think that's a danger anytime you get somebody between you and your your client. Like anytime there's a middleman. And I mean, I remember being a freelancer, like wishing I had somebody to be that middleman to Mm -hmm. like, you know, handle those stuff. So I don't have to, because I just want to make the sounds and not do the business stuff. And well, it's exciting and it makes you feel important too, which is cool, which is a great idea. But if they're not, that middle person isn't working for you, Mm -hmm. then it can be a real detriment. Or if they're only working for you within certain parameters. Yeah. You know? And I know a lot of agents, once you're on with them, you, you can't go arrange your own stuff anymore. Yeah. Not without giving them a cut. So even if you do line something up yourself, you then have to put them through your agent. Yeah. So that they can get their 15% or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, it's a big rant. I don't have a big solution other than <laughs> I feel like more voiceover people should be aware of this because I think mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't and are just thinking like they're not getting work. Yeah. But there's a good chance their agent's not really trying for them. Right. Um. 
or are actively turning things away. Yeah. Because I got ghosted by three agents on this casting call. Two didn't respond at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, a third asked the rate and then never responded. Yeah. It's been worse than it has been before. Hmm. And not with a reason. Nothing. Yeah. I know they're not running it by their talent. Yeah. Because not every, not every voiceover person in town is just super busy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's nuts. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a voiceover person, make sure your agent is working for you. Yeah. Not turning down short calls yeah. that can potentially lead to longer calls. Yeah. And keep repping yourself. I, I much, much, much prefer working without the middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, yeah, I mean, I've been the middleman sometimes, but I <laughs> feel like I'm a little better at it. Yeah. For uh, like composers for games that we're working on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we get to questions? Sure. Daniel McDonald asked... How do you approach designing compatible sound effects with your project's music? Do you create melodic sound effects to match the music's key, or do you design them without pitch to avoid moving key centers throughout the project? Yes. Usually B. Yeah. If you want to be extra special, A. Yeah. Yeah. I've managed to sort of... I don't know if it's that I am avoiding tonal aspects of my sound design so Mm -hmm. that it's just working out. Yeah. Or if somehow it's just worked and I've been really lucky. I I know I was talking with Jamie about oxygen not included Mm -hmm. in that regard. And I was like, are you worried about like, you know, melodic stuff? Because I've been creating a bunch of assets for him lately. And he was like, "Ah, somehow it's just all worked. Okay. Like, okay. (laughs) And I I think there's something about how he's mixing the game Mm -hmm. that is leaving holes for, for the stuff to, yeah. to work. And then there's this whole thing of like, our brains look for patterns. Yeah. You know, and, and our, our brains will rectify a lot on its own and go, that's meant to be together like that. Mm-hmm. So you can use that to your advantage sometimes. Um, but if it's, if it's really melodic and the music is really strong in the melody or whatever, then yeah, maybe you've got to design around that or, you know make stuff that switches with the key of the music or doesn't have those elements in it. But I think a lot of times you can just throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And I think the type of game matters a lot too. You yeah. Know, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be playing a Naughty Dog game and having the sound effects be in key. That would be very weird. <laughs> right. You know, probably Nintendo, can... Nintendo yes. Mm-hmm. Naughty Dog, no. Right. Yeah. So it's probably going to be different for every game. Mm-hmm. Wander Song, yes. Did tons of, we did, right. M, M did tons of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the dark game we've worked on? We haven't really worked on any, many dark games. <laughs> <laughs> You're not really Soma, a dark studio. Soma, no. <laughs> oh, okay. I, there's going to be next to no names for this because everyone's got their Halloween Twitter names. <laughs> so, first question I'm sure this has been covered, but what are some of your earliest memories of specific sounds and effects in games that intrigued or inspired you? Anything specific stand out from something you'd played lately? Also, what is your earliest work you're still proud of? Three questions. There's three questions in there. Okay. So the first one, what are some of your earliest memories of specific sound effects in games that intrigued or inspired you? Mm -hmm. I was inspired to get into games because of money. Just to be honest... I loved sound. Mm-hmm. I loved recording music and musicians didn't have any money. So I went into games because I found here's companies that pay you a full-time wage yeah. to mess with sound. Right. So it wasn't, I wasn't necessarily inspired to get into this 
purely because of, I remember sounds from games I was playing as a child, but that wasn't really like why I got into this. Mm -hmm. If we're fully honest, I love now what we do. And, you know, I remember, you know, Commodore 64 sounds. I remember them. Mm -hmm. I remember Commander Keen stuff and, you know, blippy stuff and whatever. But I, I don't know if I was fully inspired by a game sound to get into doing game sound. My answer is similar. Yeah. I my my plan was to to get into film sound. Yeah. And then when I started seeing the kind of second wave of indie games, mm-hmm. uh when the first walking walking simulators were coming out, I think it was actually the trailer for Dear Esther that kind of did it for oh, me. Oh cool. When I was realized just how games suddenly could be really classy. Right. And could be telling narrative stories at almost a film level. Yeah. Um, that that's what changed it for me. Cool. I didn't take games very seriously before, um, yeah. which is not to say they weren't they shouldn't have been taken seriously, mm-hmm. taken seriously. But I I just didn't. Um, anything specific stand out from something you've played lately? Any good sounding stuff? Uh, I just started Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh wow! Slowpoke. <laughs> I mean, I'm biased because I know some I know so many people on that team. Yeah, but yeah. the science fiction sounds are really really good. Yeah. The yeah, yeah way that the dialogue happens is not right not the production of the dialogue the, yeah, yeah it sounds great just the fact that people just stand there and talk to each other and kind of wave a bit in their <laughs> idle animations right is i'm like this is why my wife doesn't like games right nobody does this people people are multitasking when they're talking and mm-hmm. they're moving their hands around with the words not just willy-nilly and yeah and stuff but over, overall, the game is sounding really good. Uh, I've started playing Return of the Oberdin, mm. which um, one person made the whole thing other than voice actors, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I was, I, I'm actually surprised how well it sounds. Oh, I'm, cool. I, I think the mix isn't that good. Yeah. But the sound work themselves and the voice acting is actually, I really enjoyed. Papers, Please had some really satisfying little sounds in it. Yeah. Got a good track record yeah. there. Um, and it's... Visually, the game looks stunning. Oh, cool. Um, you can't judge that game by a screenshot. You have to play it. Like, seeing it moving, it's what... Wow. I went into the second chapter and was just blown away. And it was because I was moving around this area and how it... That one-bit graphic thing, how it looked, was just like, this is stunning. Cool. In its simplicity and stuff. Okay. And it's like, it never came across in a screenshot hmm. to me. That, But it, it sounds good. It's got a great name, too. Yeah, I, I, that's the game that I'm like thoroughly enjoying and enjoying the sound. Cool. Of um, just a couple of mix issues. Mm-hmm. Also, what's your earliest work that you're still proud of? I still like my final project from, whoa. I still like <laughs> my final project from VFS. I'm still pretty proud of that. Yeah. Uh, and there are probably some things at that I did during VFS that I'm still pr- proud of as well. But I think that's that's the first one to jump to mind. I I think I'm still proud of the the AAA work I did when mm-hmm. I started out, and then there was a dip when I went freelance that like oh my god this is horrible because <laughs> I just jumped into some stuff I'd never done before and right. then all of a sudden like I've never done a fantasy game now all of a sudden I'm doing a fantasy game with like no support system no uh, like I'm scrambling to get tools together and starting yeah. from nothing and I'm like wow this didn't sound good. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I'm really not proud of from my early days. Um but I did some stuff for Hothead uh like I I'm still proud of the work that was in those games like mm-hmm. the machine sounds in Swarm those still sound Oh yeah, dope. Swarm. 
Yeah. I don't know if I know you worked on Swarm. Yeah, I did. I did a bunch of the machines. Ah, okay. Machines cool. and death sounds. That was the only game we could reference for Oklos. Ah. There was no other game set <laughs> remotely did the mechanics we were doing other than Swarm. Huh. And they had never heard of it before. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That was a cool game. Follow-up troll question. Uh, is Dr. Pepper a real doctor? Because I have suspicions. I mean, there's, there's got to be one somewhere. Find the Dr. Pepper. <laughs> At least Mr. Pibb has the decency to just yeah go by his name. Yeah. Mr. Pibb is not pretentious like Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it's probably just a doctorate, you know? Yeah. It's like an English degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Bash, thanks for not changing your name, John, so I know that it's you. <laughs> Uh, if you magically had all the skills, knowledge, and resources to make any kind of game without any financial regard, what would you make? If I can make my own game? Yeah. Just all oh, of a sudden you're an amazing artist, programmer, <clears throat> all of it. I have several ideas. I'll only tell you one. Yep. I would like a clicker game where you start by dividing cells and then by the end you are making an entire functioning organism. Oh, that's cool be so so neat i have an idea for uh kind of a horror mystery game that is takes place in um the arctic scandinavian countries in endless daylight low poly 3d right thing cool that's yeah time mechanic time sort of like movement mechanics nice i can picture it in my head kind of mm-hmm. but yeah nowhere near the skill to make anything that would look like that yeah <laughs> all right whenever i play games with companion characters mass effect red dead spider-man i generally have to leave subtitles on because their voices are too low to be here unless i am right by them mm-hmm. why is this such a prevalent problem does anyone test games in surround sound i think it's because there's this sort of you have to make a decision between realism and uh clarity yep and a lot of the time people opt for realism because especially when it comes to triple a Everybody, that's what everyone wants. Best graphics, highest fidelity, best textures, most realistic audio, which means somebody is 16 feet away. They sound 16 feet away. They sound 16 feet away. Yeah. Um, That would be four four and a half meters. We're Canadian. (laughs) We should be using, we should be. We should. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I guarantee you games are being tested in surround. Like that's for Oh, they're definitely being tested in surround. That is definitely being um, done. Uh, But yeah, I was, I was, I thought the same thing. It's. If you want a realistic sound environment, Mm -hmm. the person needs to sound as far away as they are. Um, When you're in a movie, it's a much more accepted trope that all the speech comes out of the center channel no matter where they are. Which is completely unrealistic, but unquestioned. Yeah, and it's just been hammered in that that's how a film sounds. Yeah. And and games have just more gone, we want a realistic environment for you to be in. So, So it's a... A tricky thing. I know a bunch of games that have a way that when a character gets too far away, they like flip to they're on the radio or a cell phone yeah. or something like we, to we, combat that. We actually did sort of a duplicate busing system in the American Dream. Yeah. Because the but but even narrator is always coming out of this dog character mm-hmm. um, who is at varying distances all the time. So we actually did like a spatialized and a non-spatialized like dry dry wet yeah mix. So, so that it was always clear, but mm-hmm. there was always, always also a directional element to it. Yeah. So I, I think the biggest thing is there's a direction that is chosen from the beginning mm-hmm. that results in this problem. Yeah. You know, and it's... Um, another way that it can be fixed is if you give character voices 
uh, less realistic um, fall off, fall right. off curve for yep. the distance fall off or yep. attenuation, the distance. You can extend it out a little further yeah. than you normally would. Yeah. yeah. Rene Coronado just asked, how you been feeling? Um, I feel that's more directed at me than necessarily, but Gord, how you been feeling? Uh, well, I've, I missed my big announcement. I'm, you did? Yeah. Uh, I'm having a child. You are. So everything's a bit topsy-turvy. Congratulations. Yeah. In uh, March. So I will not see you at GDC, anybody. No. Because that's exactly when this thing is due. <laughs> well, that's really exciting. Yeah. That is definitely a large life changing. Yeah. Everything's going to be different. Yep. Anyway, it was directed at you. So um, mine's But how are you feeling? You're going to have a baby. I'm pretty excited. You excited? Cool. I was never, this was never on the, never a plan for me. Yep. I was, it was, it was never, uh, I've never had the drive, the parental drive. Mm-hmm. It basically, and I think this is normal. Yeah. I actually saw a Mike Birbiglia show that backed this up for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, or normal for a lot of, you know, men that were raised in, you know, my generation or whatever. Yeah. A lot of us never wanted kids. Yep. But eventually got okay, just, <laughs> just okay with the idea. And that's where I, I was. Yeah. I no longer didn't want them. Yeah. Um, but then it happened and now I'm quite excited. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Pretty look, pretty looking forward to it. That's awesome. How I've been feeling is, uh, my health is still not a hundred percent dealing with this stuff is like as slow as molasses. And that's incredibly mentally frustrating. Um, I've had a, also had a death in the family. So that is, you know, only been four months ago. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that. It's still, it, it feels like it's been a long ways away, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while you just being like, holy shit, that's, that's not that long ago. No wonder I'm still feeling shitty. Right. About all of this. So sick better than I have been, but still not a hundred percent. And then mentally had this other stuff and it's, it's taken a toll. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It's not, um, happy go lucky. And, uh, you know, that's, that it takes, takes an effect on my, my work as well. Like, and I feel a bit lost in, in my professionalness in how, like, I've got a lot mentally going on and trying to find a drive to continue to learn more and progress as a, as a game designer you know, it's, it's tough to be like, I'm going to learn programming. Well, I'm actually just having a hard time getting out of bed right now. Right. You know, like overly dramatic. I'm not having trouble getting out of bed, but you know, like trying to find the drive to learn new things when you're like, man, I'm just kind of like making it through the day. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. Um, I'm really thankful that I've, there's still an amazing community around all of us that is there. You know, that I've got people asking how I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm really glad I'm getting to go away on vacation next week and yeah, right. like check out and just fill my soul with a bunch of music, which mm-hmm. will be awesome. And I'm hoping that I can, uh, gear up to tackle more things next year. Right. You know, I've got some stuff I want to do. I've got some stuff I want to learn mm-hmm. and I just need to gear up to get the motivation and energy to do those things. Yeah. Cause I don't, I, I too, I don't want to stagnate in learning. I'm, I'm, I definitely feel I am at the older end of a large part of our game audio community. 
Like I've been doing this a long time. There's still people that have been doing it longer than me mm-hmm. too, which makes me still I feel it. I it's this weird. I feel like I'm like the old one, but I'm also like I feel like the kid, right? Because I'm like, but there's all these other people who have been doing it 15 years <laughs> <laughs> instead of 14. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I still want to keep keep learning and progressing, and I know that there's still lots for me to learn. And to pick up and to change and get better at and yeah. stuff. So, and I want to, I want to get back to having the energy and drive to do that. Yeah. But I'm trying to like take it easy and knowing that you don't have to be going a hundred percent like drive all the time. It's okay to like ease off the gas, deal with stuff. Yeah. Then gear back up for for stuff. So I'm I'm in a bit of a like a pause kind of situation. Well, and you went from doing so many things at once as well, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we both did. Yeah. I've been starting to just tackle one thing at a time mm-hmm. or try to. Yeah. As far as my life goes. Yeah. So it was uh, vegetarianism a little over a year ago. Yep. Caffeine six months before that, I think. Mm-hmm. No, my next one is, and it's just one habit and then tr- trying to do that for a year. Yeah. I mean, Tai Chi has fallen through the cracks. It's probably done. So that one didn't work out. Right. But I have been riding my bike downtown to the office. Cool. Good. From, from Burnaby, which blows a lot of people's minds. Which That's is awesome. not very bad. I used to I used to live on in Mount Pleasant area. Yeah. Doesn't mean anybody who's not from Vancouver. Yeah. But I used to work live in Mount Pleasant and worked at EA Burnaby. And yeah. I, I rode ride my bike yeah, it's to fine. that. And it was, yeah. It's not it was, bad at all. Yeah. So... I've been pretty consistent with that for two months, cool. almost three months now. Nice. I'm not going every day, but two, three times a week. Yeah. And just kind of getting over the fear of a long <laughs> bike ride. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just one one thing at a time. Yeah. That, a, I th- a that's lot a, more manageable for me. Yeah. I think that's a thing that a lot of us can learn, too, is to take a step back and just, yeah, one thing at a time. Yeah. You know. And for a long time. Yeah. Because then hopefully it sticks forever. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Mark Kilborn asked, uh, last time I asked about dialogue process, uh, this time, what is a topic in the realm of audio or implementation that you each would like to learn a lot more about? What's weird for me is that when I need to learn things now, this is going to sound so stupid. <laughs> I hire people. <laughs> I don't learn myself anymore. Like I really wanted to learn how to do some more code. Yeah. But then Maris was on the team already with an aptitude for it. Mm-hmm. So I just was like, do you want to do that then? Yeah. I, I want to get back caught up, especially on creature vocal processing and see mm-hmm. where that's at now. Yeah. I think it would be cool to get really good at Kima. Yeah. That's cool. To actually know how to work a Pacarana. That would be really fun. Yeah. Um, I would. I would like to learn programming. Yeah. Like that is, I, I still think, would really like to learn programming as well. Um, see, here's my thing. I think that knowing programming would be incredibly beneficial to mm-hmm. my longevity and career and how I do things and everything about yeah. that. I think it's a just all-around positive thing. I am worried that I have a problem learning languages. Right. And I feel like that might carry over into programming. Right. And I'm like... Because I've made a couple little stabs, and I can pick up some things, but I feel like I'm just like, man, I hope this is going to stick. I think I would really need to basically take a course. Yeah. I tried online courses. I couldn't pull it off. Yeah. I need to go. I need a human teacher. Yeah. 
and would have to do it for days and days and days and days and days and, days and months and years. I could, I, I think I could very well be in the same boat Yeah, as you. I, I haven't been able to successfully self-teach it. There's just yeah. been, I get so far and then there's always one problem on Code Academy mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And it's just like, well, this is just what you do. Yeah. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Yeah. That doesn't explain it. It works now because I copy and pasted what you did, but I did not learn the thing yeah. at all. But all it's right. so empowering. Yeah, totally. So the little bit that you learn is so empowering. My programming is spreadsheeting. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very, very good at <laughs> spreadsheets now. And I do love them. Yeah. So if I could, you know, somehow, I don't know why I'm able to learn those and not yeah. to program those. Um, I had an idea for uh, a plugin or a process or something mm-hmm. that I want to do um, that I think today that maybe PD can do it. And this okay. be, might be my like my impetus to learn PD. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a, a project in mind. Right. Like an outcome I want. So maybe I can teach myself PD from that. Once I finish up one or two other things, I think that might be the next thing I like. It'd be pretty like, cool. Like you're saying, I'm trying to like dial back the amount of things I'm doing and like, all right, here's the thing. Finish this thing. Do one thing correctly. And then yeah. don't don't worry about don't worry about how long it don't takes. Don't worry about the shells library, Matt. No. Don't worry about the drum I'm, library. No. I've I've got one thing and I'm like I'm I'm not worried about how long it's gonna take me, but that's the thing I'm concentrating on when I have the energy to do something. Yeah. And I'll get that wrapped up and then I'll move on to another thing. Not well, today I worked on this thing and tomorrow I'm going to work on that other thing. And the next day I worked yeah. a little bit on this thing and you're like, and nothing got done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Renzo asked, what's a common audio trope or audio issue you commonly experience in AAA games that you wish was done or implemented another way? Interruptive dialogue. Drive me up the goddamn yep. wall. Yeah. I hate to be picking on Mass Effect Andromeda, the Mass Effect <laughs> franchise, re- like rest in peace. I, I, I think it was a very bad idea to kill that series, by the way. Yeah. Um, but why can I hear the dot, dot, dot mm-hmm. when someone's being interrupted? Why did, we, why, did, uh, why did we direct our actors to perform it that way? Yeah. It sounds like a bad B movie. Yeah. When I can hear that stupid pause. Mm-hmm. Drives me absolutely crazy. That's my number one thing I hate the most about AAA game sound. <laughs> not, not all of it. Yeah. Not, yeah. All of, not all of them, but a lot of them. I don't think it's AAA games necessarily, but I'm like, I'm not into this like modern stuttering trailer sound design. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Stuff. I'm just <laughs> that aesthetic. I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with that. It's a bit worn out now. Yeah, I'm, I don't I, even I, think I'm I was. I'm curious as to what is next. I don't think I was into it when it started. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I don't think I was ever into that. Like yeah. the, the Transformers stuff. I'm right. just like, uh, that's, I guess my thing. Uh, yeah, I think it pleases yeah, a lot of people. What's ears. next? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh? Xander asked, "Have you had a chance to look at Unity's new DSP API?" No, I haven't. Maris has and is very excited about it. Yeah, uh, I did. I saw something about there being thousands of emitters in a scene, mm-hmm. and it's not crashing everything. Wow, which is pretty crazy. Yep, like that's amazing. Really, that's really cool. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, I nothing more to say no. on that yet. I haven't, I haven't even looked at no, it. Mar- Maris is going to give us the full rundown because they're going to be the ones that's going to be, that are going to be dealing with that specifically. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, what product do you use to keep your beard silky smooth? Head and shoulders shampoo. Also, my beard is short now, actually. Uh, um, I use a beard balm from oh, okay. a, lo- from a local barber. Okay. Every couple of days. I like treat it about every twice a week. 
Yeah. Mine is just shampoo because I get beard dandruff. Mm. How's that for TMI? Beard bomb. I, uh, I, I don't get the beard dandruff when I use well, the beard bomb. Head and shoulders is the only thing that's prevented <laughs> it. All right. It doesn't on my head. Why can't it do it on my face? <laughs> yep. When adjusting the mix for overall loudness for a split screen game, would you aim for average player count situations or balance based off max player? Or would you dynamically set levels based on the player count? Would that be the way to go? Um, yes. I Yeah, I'd be pulling an answer out of my ass on this one. Um, I would just say probably average loudness. I, sure. I... Uh, I definitely um, like to, if it's split screen, try to push the 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 left and right to the left and right speakers. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing. Just like make it a mono mix and push it to each side. Right. Um, past that, I think it's very game specific. Like, what is the most important thing? Is it each player needs to hear their thing, or like is is there one player more important than the other that they need to hear their stuff? Like it's. It's a giant mess, that's for sure. And I think it's very game-to-game specific what's to be done. Right. That's pulling an answer out of my ass because I don't have anything more than that. It's better than mine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever works. Last question. What's your favorite animal sound to manipulate? Uh, Or a pendala. What What is that? It's a bird I recorded in the Amazon, and it makes the coolest sounds, and you can turn it into the craziest shit. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, the human voice. Ah, that's the magic answer. That's the magic answer. The human animal. Humans are animals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, w- I mean, I go with that. I do think that's my legitimate answer, but I don't yeah. think I have a, like, a that varied of an animal library that I've, I've got, like, go-to mm-hmm. ones. I mean, I use, overly use certain ones because it's been in my library so long. Yeah. But I, I still, I prefer human voice stuff versus animal stuff. Right. And I'll, I'll use animal stuff to mix in with that. I always like getting some humanity mm-hmm. to my creatures. Like there's more about that performance. Yeah. And it works especially well at clay as well. Yeah. Um, there's always this playfulness. Yeah. With yeah. all the creatures. Yeah. We're not, we're not doing like super hard fantasy mm-hmm. orcs and dragons and stuff. So yeah. I think that humanity part is much more applicable to the games we're creating. Yeah. So. I'm a bit sad that I missed the the wave of using pigs for everything. Because <laughs> they do sound great, but I am also sick of them. Yeah. Just every low-budget horror movie. Pigs. Pigs. Pigs, pigs, pigs. Horses are scary. Yep. Yeah. The Boom Horses Library's got some real crazy sounds on it. Yeah. A lot of sounds you didn't think would come from a horse. But they also just kind of sound like pigs. <laughs> So is that like the, it tastes like chicken? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a pig. <laughs> What's that crazy animal? I don't know. It sounds like a pig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we're done. We done. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.